You are listening to Conversations with Akila. Please be aware you are getting ready to listen to an episode that is intended for a mature audience only. There may be some topics that offend those who are not ready to hear it or who may be or may have been triggered in the past by certain topics. Please keep in mind, I am not here to offend or disrespect or upset any entity as my views and my opinions are my own. I will remain respectful as you can do the same. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello there. Welcome back to Conversations with Akila, where you know I have a lot to say. Okay. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. First of all, happy new year. This will be my first recorded episode, I believe, since the new year. Welcome. I hope 2023 has been good to you. Uh my year has started off. A little, you know, with, with some sadness in, in some areas of my life, but nonetheless, we are grateful um, to have crossed over. We are grateful, you know, that we're all still here in some way, shape, or form. And for that, I will be grateful and I will smile and I will grieve when I need to grieve and I will, you know, be sad when I need to be sad. I will honor all of my emotion. <laughs> How about that? Um, I think we get so caught up in wanting to suppress certain things because we feel as if we shouldn't give into it for whatever reason. And that will get you nowhere fast. If I'm feeling sad, I'm going to acknowledge that sadness, at least try and get to the core of it after I've acknowledged it. Right. And if I'm feeling happy for whatever reason, I am not going to judge that happiness because sometimes we'll feel happy and wait for the other shoe to drop or we'll feel happy and be like, Oh, you know, I don't, why, you know, that's wrong of me to feel happy when such and such is going on, but I refuse to give into that. I will acknowledge the range of emotions that come along with being a human being. Okay. So with that said, I hope you all are well, feeling good, smelling good, looking good, because what you deserve it. Okay. Never you forget that you deserve it. Um, I'm going to be wrapping up my review of kelly brown douglas's book named sexuality and the black church a womanist perspective and of course as soon as i start recording the throat the throat the throat the issues start you know let me just give you a quick tidbit on what's going on with my throat as you if you follow me on instagram if you're not run over to instagram and follow me at akila peinado um you will not regret it it's lit over there um real lit you know i've been thinking about giving tiktok another shot, but I'm just not feeling it. Like I'm just not feeling TikTok. I'm not feeling Facebook. I'm only still feeling Instagram. So I'm just going to decide to honor that and pray and pray that I get the visibility on Instagram that I need <laughs> because I I feel like TikTok, I just, I just don't have the mental space to devote to what it takes to grow another platform. But anyway, back to the throat thing. So if you've been following me, on Instagram, you'll know that I've been having issues with my throat since around the beginning of December out of the blue. And um, hopefully I'm on my way to getting some answers as to what is going on because the devil is a liar. I work with my voice. I talk every day. 
that is how I work. That is how, you know, I make my money. <laughs> I, I talk and that's how I help people through talking, through my words. Uh, maybe one day it'll be through helping people with the written word, praise his name. But right now it is helping people through my voice. And if my voice goes, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, like no joke. So I got to get this looked at. I got to get this taken care of. But even in that, when you're praying, remember me that these tests that I'm taking give us a result that is fixable with the least amount of medicine. Well, because I don't want to do anything but drink tea and cover my throat when it's cold outside. I am not in the mood to be swallowing any more pills. God of heaven knows that I'm not. But yeah, so hopefully I'll have some answers. But y'all know, as soon as I start recording on anything, my voice begins to go. <laughs> my voice begins to go. And it is insane. And it's funny because I was telling my husband today, because as you know, I also sing as well. When I'm singing, that's when the problems are. But even when I'm talking, I'm noticing that I'm having some disruption there as well. So we need to get to the bottom of that ASAPPPP. Anywho, yeah, so back to the book. Y'all, y'all, la 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 la. So what I decided I'm going to do is go through some passages that really um, intrigued me. First of all, the whole book intrigued me. Let me turn on my light real quick because it's getting dark, y'all. Sorry about that. Um, the whole book intrigued me. Y'all know it did. But let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. Part two of this book went for the jugular, okay? Part two of this book had me going, you hear me? Like, that's me um, moving the pages, like, turn the pages, like, oh, my God. Honestly, I could have highlighted every page of part two. There was something on every page of part two that stood out to me. As a matter of fact, it was on page 66, although that's me getting ahead of myself. But on page 66, I looked at the first, like the first, like mind you, page 66 is two pages after um, part two of this book begins. And this is in chapter three. And when I say I could read this whole page, but I'm not going to, oh my goodness, like it was just, in insane like it starts with notwithstanding the indignities of slavery the value of marriage was not weakened for the enslaved africans in some instances they contrived their own rituals such as jumping over a broom to mark a relationship of marriage most often however these couples were bound together by affection yet as robert staples points out these bonds were just as strong even when there were no legal marriage let me go down a little bit essentially the enslaved's attitude toward marriage illustrates the ability to be flexible in terms of traditional customs and mores and yet to maintain a clear moral code for sexual behavior christianity also played a regulative role in the enslaved sexual behavior especially those of women now <laughs> Church membership among the enslaved and former enslaved population seemed to imply management of sexual activity. These early black churches particularly proscribed sexual activity of women. 
Drawing upon testimony from former slaves, Goodman says that church initiation transformed the sexual behavior of young unmarried black women, publicly bridging the difficult transition from prenuptial sexual um, freedom to marital fidelity. That just sounds marital fidelity. These young women were expected to refrain from premarital intercourse after joining the church and were greatly censured and castigated if they did not. Sounds familiar? When asked if joining the church made a difference in the lives of black women, one Robert Smalls responded, yes, sir. The change is very great, as great as between sunshine and a hailstorm. She stops all promiscuous intercourse with men the rules of the church are very strict about it. The early black churches seemed to impose a standard of propriety and fidelity in relation to sexual matters, yet those standards reflected a definite gender bias. The literature of the enslaved says very little about the expectations of a male sexual behavior once he joined the church. Mm. And if we are being honest, <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, guys, I think the same could be said of how many years after slavery today in our in our churches. Um, I don't know about you, but yes, there were women who got pregnant while they were in the church outside of marriage and boy, were they ostracized, okay? They were ostracized, they were looked down upon, they were ridiculed. And I wanna say maybe, I feel like, I feel like saying eight times out of 10, that's being generous to me. I feel like it's more so 10 out of 10, but I'll say eight times out of 10, the male counterpart who was involved in pregnating this young lady almost got away with it, almost got away with it. And yes, society does, um, you know, place a certain level of responsibility on women more so than men. However, in the church, it is even deeper than that because it's, it's it, the church is a subset of a subset. <laughs> so it's even more greatly felt when you're in a church environment in a situation like this. And it's more obvious too. Yeah, it's more obvious. I don't know if it's because the woman, you know, she's the one who's carrying the baby. I, I really don't know, but yeah, that's, I don't know if it's still happening today as harsh as it may have been happening when I was growing up, but I can say with a certainty it is happening. Okay. Let me go on to the next part where I highlight, I mean, this part, listen, if y'all are interested, even in a little bit of what I'm talking about, I greatly implore you to get this book. I believe I got mine through Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes as I always do, but yeah, you guys should definitely get this if you are interested. Let me go to my next, my next highlight. Cornell West, you guys know who Cornell West is? This is taken from page 81. The passage begins, Cornell West speaks to this when he says, I do believe that deep down in the depths of the black male psyche is a struggle with taking seriously the, the beauty of black women. The ideals of white beauty when it comes to women are so deeply inscribed in every male psyche, black and white, that many brothers do have problems acknowledging black beauty. And by beauty, I don't simply mean physical beauty. Now, this 
comes after a few pages of us talking of us, <laughs> me reading and the author discussing the black and male female relationships. Um, the author brings up She's Gotta Have It by Spike Lee and how it exemplifies the genre of black male films that diminishes the humanity of black women. I was shocked to read that because, you know, this is a black author talking about another black filmmaker in such a open and very real um, tone. You don't really hear that too often. I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak negatively about Spike Lee. Have you guys? I don't, I don't think I have. Um, she goes on to say about Spike Lee's mu uh, music, about Spike Lee's character, um, who he wrote into there, the main character, her name is Nola Darling. The film preserves the notion that black women are overly sexualized beings who find fulfillment through sexual activity, even when that includes rape. In her penetrating review of the film, now this is Bell Hooks. Now, I wasn't too surprised to hear Bell Hooks say said something about that movie, May She Rest in Peace, because she was Bell Hooks, come on. Bell Hooks said, Nola has no personality. Before I get started, have you guys seen She's Gotta Have It? Like I watched, I've seen the movie and I also watched the series on Netflix. So if you haven't, go check that out. Nola has no personality. She is shallow, vacious, empty. Her one claim to fame is that she likes to expletive. In the male pornographic imagination, she can be described as pure expletive. That is to say that her ability to perform sexually is a central defining aspect of her identity. Filmmaker Spike Lee challenges the critique notions of black male sexuality while presenting a very typical perspective on black male, black female sexuality. She's gotta have it, the author continues to say, was not the last of Lee's films to portray black females in racially sexist ways. While admittedly exploring the very significant themes in black life and culture, films such as School Days, Jungle Fever, I've seen, Jungle Fever and More Better Blues, I don't think I've ever seen School Days, are greatly marred by their portrayal of many black female characters as sexualized beings waiting to be exploited by black men. Hooks says of School Days, this is Bell Hooks, a scene in Spike Lee's film School Days depicts all black party and all black party where everyone is attired in swimsuits dancing, doing the butt. Y'all know that song. Ow. Y'all know that song. It is one of the most compelling moments in the film. The black butts on display are unruly and outrageous. They are not the still bodies of the female slave made to appear as a mannequin. They are not a silenced body displayed as a playful culture nationalist resistance. They challenge assumptions that the black body, its skin color and shape is a mark of shame. Wow. Undoubtedly, the most, transgress most transgressive and provocative moment in school days. It is potentially a disruption and challenge to the notions of black bodies, specifically female bodies, was undercut by the overall sexual humiliation of black females in the film. And then I might as well just go for what she says about More Better Blues. And Spike Lee's recent film, More Better Blues, is another tragic vision of contemporary black heterosexuality. It focuses on a world of black male homo 
homosocial bonding where black women are seen as primarily as sex objects. Even when they have talent, they must still exchange their sexual favors for recognition. Now, come on guys. <laughs> Bleak, the main characters, life crisis is resolved by the description of the patriarchal paradigm. The film suggests Bleak has no choice and can only reproduce the same family narrative from which he emerged, effectively affirming the appropriateness of the nuclear family paradigm where women as mothers restrict black masculinity, black male creativity, and fathers hint at the possible of free, possibility of freedom. Woo! Now, I had to read all of this to give context to Cornell West's um, uh, quote in regards to the ideals of black of white beauty when it comes to women are so deeply inscribed in every male psyche black and white that many brothers do have problems acknowledging black beauty and by beauty I don't simply mean physical beauty so now that I've read all of that about what hooks and authors said about Spike Lee's um, movies and everything of the sort I hope it gives that quote some context. Basically, in my interpretation, the author is trying to say that it doesn't matter if a black woman is gorgeous, you know, attractive, intriguing. She will still be portrayed down to what the use of her genitals are for. Ultimately, there is no other dimension to her. And in dimension, that's where Cornell West is talking about beauty. There is nothing else that the black woman can offer, even if she is physically beautiful. And it's unfortunate that that's the case. And I mean, the reviews that Hooks gave and the author was crazy. I mean, they even go on to talk about how the, um, how people were upset about boys in the hood and how people now turn the table on women creativity um create creative sorry like terry mcmillan and alice walker about they depicted men in a weak and demeaning um view because you know they talked about men being dogs and cheating and blah blah blah, blah. so this is a pretty interesting um part this is chapter three pretty interesting part about how all of this plays into how we all view each other on page 83, um, the passage about black spirituality. Yeah, yeah, y'all know. <laughs> this was all, this was all I, this was, this was all for me. I think I highlighted the most in the black spirituality <laughs> part. Let me start here. In many black churches, unwed mothers are publicly chastised and made to repent in front of the whole congregation while the fathers are often ignored. This humility, this humiliating sexist ritual harks back to early black church expectations that black women should remain chased after joining a church, a church that all the while said nothing about the sexual conduct of black men. This double standard is hauntingly reminiscent of the logic used by white men who fathered, fathered children by black women during the antebellum and postbellum period. These men were not held accountable for these children, true, who were seen as a sole responsibility of the mother because according to white logic, 
It is a seductive, passionate manner of the black woman that causes sexual encounter. Now, that is another reason why I feel like men, in my world at least, are not held as responsible for the production of a child <laughs> because in a in a way I feel like the underall ideal is it's the woman's fault you know she probably seduced him she probably coaxed him into doing this you know all types of ill just stupid things it takes to unless there was a force rape and you know as we know men can be raped as well but unless there was you know a no 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 meaning no get away from me don't touch me it takes two to create a baby okay willing willingly i will acknowledge that there are some children that are created out of out of rape but this speaks a lot to that like oh so maybe women are not maybe men are not getting as chastised as they should because they feel as if they were not strong enough to to resist (laughs) the woman's um advances praise his name amen the next passage goes on to say spirituality involves more than worship or prayer life or simply going to church spirituality concerns a person's connection to god and thus evidently involve his or her sexuality now if i could have highlighted this in red i would have but i wouldn't have been able to see the words <laughs> because the idea of sex being a spiritual thing or spirituality involving sexuality is almost non-existent period at least not in the traditional church i know there's a lot of new age things out there like you know tantric sex and all of that other stuff karma sutra all of that good stuff out there that combines sexuality with spirituality but honey and the traditional black church especially the traditional jamaican church you are not going to hear those two words in the same sentence in a good way okay let me make that very very clear um human sexuality and spirituality are inextricably linked because both involve a person's relationship to god my 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 Hmm. yo she was she was doing it in this book I'm surprised that we're not reading this book like in school because it was that level of information in here. Like, yeah, we need to talk about this. Many African cultures long embraced the intrinsic connection between sexuality and spirituality. This was evidenced by their resistance to the dualistic distinctions between the sacred and the secular, the soul and the body. As Peter Paris observes in his study of African of African, sorry, spirituality, secular secularity has no reality in the African experience. The human body and the entity of the human being are viewed as part of the sacred, as part of the divine, including the human being as a sexual and re- relational being. This is why many African cultures did not view sexual intercourse as bad or evil, but celebrated this sacred part of life. Child, my jaw was on the ground. I said, is that so? My my jaw was on the proverbial ground. Like, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that. Like, okay, so, and granted, I'm just going based off what this author has written. I have not done a deep dive into 
I want to say none of African spiritual culture um, as a scholar. I've done it, you know, out of curiosity, but I have not deep dived into African spirituality as a scholar. I don't know if that's something I want to do. I don't know if that is something I even have the mental capacity to do because I feel like to give it the, you know, the due that it deserves, I'm going to have to really, you know, deep, deep dive in. I don't know if that's going to cause me to have to travel there or have to take a course on it, or maybe the Lord will drop someone in my path. I don't know. But that particular passage really, that particular passage really intrigued me because I'm like, hold on. So there was a whole idea of what sexuality was viewed as and what it could have, you know, potentially turned into long before the African slave touched the soil of America. Now, I don't know if that's just based off of Western African cultures or because, you know, Christianity was contrary to, you know, some of the belief out there. Christianity was in some form in some countries in Africa. Yes, the, there were other there were other religions governing at the time, but Christianity was definitely one of them. However, I do not know what the Christianity of Africa, meaning what the Christianity of those African cultures look like versus what the Christianity of the white Western world looked like when the African slave come here. So that's a distinction that would have to be made in order for me to really have my jaw on the ground with this passage right here, because, whoa, because if what she is saying pertains to the Western Christianity, Christianity ideals in Africa, meaning West Africa, meaning that they did not view the body as secular, but as sacred as the spirit. Therefore, sexuality was as sacred and, and not viewed as a secular thing, but a thing that was, you know, needed or necessary to the body and Christianity in Africa. And that stopped when they got here. That says a lot. So, and then again, culture also plays a part in this too, because, you know, culture can drive the religion, but that's not what this episode is about anyway, but that is something to think about. So that all, guys, guys, that all came from chapter three. That was one chapter I read all that from. And I didn't even read everything I wanted to read. Okay, like take that in. Okay. Okay, chapter four, in pure transparency, I have to read at least the title of this chapter and then I'm gonna give an explanation as to why I will not read any of the highlighted passages from this um, chapter. So chapter four is homophobia and heterosexism in the black church and community. Now, the reason why I did not read, I am not going to read any of the passages um, from chapter four in this particular um, episode is because I do not want, I do not have enough experience with the homosexual um, L or LBGTQ um, question mark plus community to give a non-biased commentary on this chapter and i don't want to offend anybody i don't want to upset anyone however i am willing to discuss my views on this offline so if you are interested in in knowing what i read or what i highlighted you can always feel free to dm me we can talk about it or if you go buy the book you can read it yourself and we can discuss it that way but i just did not want to comment or give any of my personal views on something that I'm not really familiar with. I don't think that's right. And um, 
it would be wrong as I wouldn't anyone, I wouldn't want anyone to do that to my demographic, my life, my world, my choices. So that was why I'm going to skip over chapter four. It is not because I am a bigot or not understanding. It is because I can, I am not sure if I could give a clear, concise, unbiased view. So we'll leave that there. So part two ends with chapter four. So part two ends with the, um, homophobia and heterosexism in the black church and community it was really good though it was still an excellent chapter was very eye-opening um they gave a lot of background as to the stigmas that in the black church um as to why homosexual people or you know homosexuality in a whole was um viewed the way it was viewed so that's interesting um if you're interested part three the theology of black sexuality. Now, come on, guys. Come on, guys. You know I was all over this. I don't even know where to begin in this chapter because there was a lot I could have read. Um, There's a lot I could read to you before I get to the part that I'm actually going to read. Just know it was lit, okay? Sexual discourse and authentic black faith on page 121. When black church people approach human sexuality as a vessel of sin and evil, as they perceive it to be only about genitals and sexual activity, and they as and as they refuse to promote frank public discourse concerning sexuality, they betray their enslaved religious heritage in that they have adopted the dominant western European and Euro-American tradition of spiritual uh, spiritualistic dualism and pietism. <laughs> Recent interpreters of the religion of the enslaved have concluded that the African religious heritage significantly shaped Africans' interpretation of Christianity. Yeah, see, I'm getting closer to my answer. Black religious scholars va- variously argue that the enslaved used their African worldview, culture, and religious heritage to make Christianity their own. Again, I would have to do more research on that. And I think I'm kind of interested in doing a little bit more research on it because wouldn't it be interesting to know what the Christianity of Africa of, of that time frame says about sexuality in the human being? Wouldn't it be interesting to know of the time, of the ever of when the black slave was taken to America. I'm curious to know, what would that be like the 17th century? Yes, that would be the 17th century. I would, I'm interested to know what that would be, um, what would be said. I need to figure out who I can talk to about that and, and anything like that. Hmm. All right, let me go on to my next. Where's my next passage? Let me go on to my, you know what? I need to get tabs so I don't have to keep like, and I have the tabs. I just need to use them. I think I don't use the tabs because there's so much I want to read. <laughs> and like the tab is going to only take me to that part. And I'm like, no, I need to go back some. Da, 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 da. All right, let's see. What do I want to go to next? Bible. Oh, 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 guys, guys, this part. Uh, what chapter is this? Chapter six I'm on now. The chapter six, page 136. 
I had to highlight the whole thing. So I'm going to read the whole thing because when I say she gave an answer to a great way of kind of fixing this gap we have in our churches or in the spiritual community, in the traditional spiritual community, in the black community um, of how we can fix it. This was definitely one answer. It's not the only answer. And this answer would only satisfy a little bit of people, but it was definitely an answer. The This part of the chapter is named Bible study. Hmm. Finally, to appreciate what is traditionally considered secular is not to ignore the sacred. None of these proposed activities, book study, movie, music nights, should take the place of what is typically the center of any black church program. Bible study. But again, Bible study must be approached in such a way that a creative engagement in sexual discourse can occur. This means that Bible study should provide an opportunity for personal inspiration and serious reflection of complex issues such as sexuality. I mean, I could have just stopped there, but I'll keep going. To achieve this, the work of black biblical scholars should become integral to church Bible studies. As suggested in previous chapters, black biblical scholars are too often unappreciated in black churches. Yet many of these scholars have painstakingly tried to explore biblical texts in light of the black experience in a manner that is respectful and affirming to the black biblical tradition. Their expertise must be utilized by the black church community. In addition, as preaching has been the centerpiece of the black church tradition, teaching must also become central. This this means that as churches regularly spend thousands of dollars to engage the services of the country's top preachers, they too must be willing to spend money to engage black scholars and theologians. If a church's budget clarifies that church's priorities then it goes without saying that theological education is a low priority for far too many black churches. A theological education week must become as essential to black church programming as, as our spring revival weeks. Wow. But not for scholars. They must be committed to pay for both. If Indeed, black church people are going to fully appreciate the rich religious heritage and its uniqueness to critique it and grow in relation to it. Then they will have to engage in theological scholarship. In fact, black and womanist theologians cannot carry out their prophetic work as if they do not have access to black churches, just as black religious scholars are accountable to their black church communities, so much black churches be responsible to these black scholars. This means that black church leadership must institutionalize regular dialogue between the black church and the black academy. Again, such dialogue will be invaluable as fostering possibilities for exploring, for exploring black sexuality. Wow. She's absolutely right. Absolutely, positively, totally right. There is a lack of conversation that is going on in our community. I mean, that has been going on in our community for many, many years now that has served to be a great detriment to our progress 
spiritual and secularly. Um, and not to, and, and in a spiritual sense, I can definitely, I can definitely speak to, you know, you guys hear me talk about sex was not discussed. And I don't, I don't think mm, it's not fair to say that it didn't want to be discussed, but I just feel like there were some who felt as if they couldn't give it the discussion heft that it needed. They didn't have enough experience with maybe even being um, chased to talk to another chase person or encourage them to be chased. Because, I mean, let's be real. There was a lot of people out there doing things and coming in church acting like they weren't doing it. So it's kind of hard to have that conversation when you're not exactly sure how to maintain your sexuality and keep it under control yourself, right? It's kind of hard to have that to have that conversation when you're like, hell, I'm struggling with it too. You know what I'm saying? And then for those who were not struggling, the conversation possibly mainly surrounded around heaven and hell. I'm like this because I don't want to go to hell. I'm like this because I want to go to heaven. And there has to be more of a conversation surrounding this idea of being heterosexual. Maybe those who are struggling with homosexuality, those who are not sure, these things are happening. And there is really no safe pace, safe safe space safe place i was trying to say both words at the same time to go and have these these discussions and that is a very serious issue in the church and i want to say in the secular aspect i know there are places safe that our black kids can go um but i don't even know if they if our black children are sure that those those spaces exist I don't know if our black children are even comfortable having those conversations because of the stigmas and judgment that can be placed on them for what they're thinking and what they're feeling. So while she's talking about Bible study, she does give credence to having the conversation in general. Now she's talking about theologians and all that other stuff, child. She don't know. Everywhere does not welcome educated Christians. Let's just call a spade a spade. They don't. And I hope no one is listening to this thinking that I'm bashing the church that I'm still a part of, uh, by the way, okay, because I'm not doing that. I'm still very much a part of this world that I'm talking about, but I'm talking about bringing it to the forefront. I'm talking about the issues that we're seeing and that we're having, and if anyone feels as if by me bringing it to the forefront means that I don't appreciate and respect where I come from, maybe you need to check yourself and really bump yourself up against what I'm talking about right now. It needs to be discussed. And just because I'm bringing out the problems does not mean I don't respect it. Just because I'm bringing up the problems does not mean that I'm not happy to be or grateful to be a part of where I come from. I am. Catch me on any given Sunday. I'm in my church. I'm in a Jamaican apostolic church. I'm in the pulpit at a Jamaican apostolic church. I talk about my church on my Instagram. I'm not ashamed of where I come from. But I do see space for improvement. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about that. Even if no one listens, I at least want to be able to say I was curious about it and I was hoping that others would be curious about it too so we could all have a conversation about this you know what I mean um maybe one day maybe one day I don't think even now in 2023 I still don't think that there's space to have the candid conversation we need to have I often think in my opinion and in my personal you know opinion due to the conversations that I've seen and been around for some reason, I think the idea is if you discuss your sexuality, it means you're going to engage in said sexuality, meaning having intercourse, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I think it, you know, for some reason, people may think that. I don't know. Um, but 
again, that needs to go away. And I do believe the tides are changing. Have they completely changed yet? Absolutely not. But I do believe the tides are changing. It is definitely changing behind the scenes. I think more and more people are curious and want to have these discussions and just are not sure how to go about it. So this is my little attempt to show individuals who are curious, hey, I'm here. I'm extending the olive branch. Let's talk about it. I'm curious about it too. I still have a lot of questions. I am a grown married woman with children, children, okay? And there were a lot of conversations that I didn't have growing up. You know, you heard, I don't know if you saw my interview with Habiba Conde, but I talked about, you know, when I got married, my mother didn't even discuss sex with me. <laughs> she didn't. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she sat me down in a room, like in some of the books that I read and came to me and was like, you know, do you know what your, what your wedding night is going to be like, Akila? Are you sure? Hell no. And she still wouldn't do it with I've been married for like double digit years and my mother still would not sit down with me and have that conversation and we talk about everything I mean everything but that's just off and she comes from that time she comes from that era so and it's not to say that she's not having that conversation with my counterparts she's not having that conversation with her daughter there's a difference <laughs> so this book again I'm going to reiterate the name Author's name is Kelly Brown Douglas. I'm gonna reach out to her, guys. Um, if she doesn't respond, that's fine. But I'm definitely gonna reach out to her <clears throat> because I want to talk to her. I wanna talk to her about this book, Sexuality and the Black Church, A Woman's Perspective. Dag, it gave a lot, a lot, a lot of knowledge in 143 pages. Like, it gave a lot of knowledge. And I do believe that this book will be a book I pick up again as I'm embarking on this journey, I am reading other books about sexuality in the New Testament, Old Testament. You may see me talk about them on Instagram. Again, if you're not following me there, please go there. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Please leave a rating of five um, or more. Remember, if anything less, you can keep it to yourself. Let me know what you think. Um, let me know if you have any books that I should read, any authors you want me to talk to. Um, again, thank you for listening. Even if it's just one person who hears this, I have to be comfortable with knowing that is one person who heard it. You know what I mean? One day it will not be like that. Uh-huh. But right now that is the case. And again, thank you. Oh, share. If you think anyone might be interested in listening to this, share, 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 share. Okay. Let me know what you think in the comments. You can email me at Akila Peinado. You can email me Akila Peinado at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Akila Peinado. And um, also my website, www.akilapeinado.com. Drop your email. Stay tuned. Love you, love you, love you. Stay tuned for more. Thank you. You just finished listening to Conversations with Akila, where I have a lot to say. Okay? Please be sure to tune in every Friday where you can have a conversation with yours truly. We'll be talking about any and everything. Nothing is off the table. Please remember to share this and like it and comment everywhere podcasts are heard. We are on Apple, we are on Spotify, you name it. Your like, your comment, your share will help this podcast grow, grow, grow. I appreciate you. Thank you.